Well, everyone, it is super good to be with you as we continue in this great conversation we've been having over the last couple of weeks. If you're watching online, it's good to see you from here, even though it's a little bit harder. You look a little bit blurry. It's fine. Uh, and if you're over at Montrose, miss you guys, but it's great to see you as well. Uh, we've been in this conversation, really, this dialogue about how do we relate to God. Uh, it's kind of a core question if we think about it, that even if we're someone that feels like we have a vibrant relationship with God, we're almost always asking, probably should even be asking, how do I continue to connect more deeply with him? How do I grow in a relationship? And the best relationships in our life, we rarely are like, you know what? I'm close enough to that person. I don't want to know them better, love them better, engage them more. Like, no, relationships grow. So how do I do that with God? And of course, if we're exploring this concept of having a connection, a relationship with God, how do I do that, right? How do I relate to God? And sometimes that's hard because we wonder, like, does he hear us? Is he engaging us? Is he just trying to make life more difficult? Where is it that he's stepping into my life? Does he care about which team I root for? Obviously not in Cleveland. Uh, but like, do, does he even hear our prayer? We can have those types of questions sometimes. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it's mysterious, Sometimes it's straight up difficult. And so how do we relate to God? Well, one of the things that Jesus really begins to point out to make this clearer, to help us understand it more, is he starts to show us that this whole thing is meant to be relational, not transactional. That we're supposed to look at God as someone to connect with, relate to, not just make sure that we're pushing the right buttons and pulling the right levers, and that if we scratch his back, he'll scratch ours, or vice versa. Like, no, this is about having a relationship. And so that's what we've been going over for the last couple of weeks. Highly recommend going back and checking out those conversations on our app, our website, podcast, wherever you want to find it. But it kind of helps set that stage that this is why God is interacting with us the way that he is, is to connect and to relate. Well, as Jesus continues in this key teaching that we've been working through, uh, often titled the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what we're looking at now uh, is this idea that Jesus is going to get into like prayer, and he's also going to this idea of fasting, right? Now, many of us, my assumption is we have an idea of what that looks like, but I think Jesus is going to pull out something and help us understand something a little bit better and deeper. So here's where we're going to go this weekend. First, we're going to look at what is Jesus showing us that's different about prayer and fasting the way that we know it. Because I was certainly challenged as I was kind of slowing down and digging into this, and I think we all will be on some level. And then the second question we're going to ask is, okay, yeah, that's prayer and fasting, but why? Like, why would I care about this? Why would I engage that? Why would I do that? I think Jesus helps out with that. And then the third thing that we're going to look into is how does God respond because oftentimes maybe we have an idea of prayer, maybe we have an idea of fasting, but then like how does God actually interact with us? And so that's what we're going to look at uh, this, this weekend. So I want to encourage that you go ahead and open up uh, to this teaching. If you have a Bible with you, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can always follow along in a Bible app or even in our church app. I got some preloaded notes in there for you as well. But you can follow along in all those things. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Now, I will be honest, this, even just the chunk that we're talking about this weekend, there is so much there. Uh, we could probably take these 13 or so verses and talk about these for weeks and weeks. Uh, but instead, in light of this question, how do I relate to God, we're going to kind of truncate some of that into a conversation today. And so as we walk through this, I want you to maybe underline or circle, or maybe there's some things that are sticking out to you, and that can be where you go back later this week and start uh, digesting it a little bit more. But Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, uh, Jesus says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, if you've been engaging in this conversation at all, you might realize that some of that language kind of matches some of the stuff we talked about last week. And so you're going to want to go back if you missed that and kind of catch what he means by that reward and all of that kind of stuff. 
He continues in verse seven. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And he continues a few verses later. And then when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, That's the only reward they're going to get. Then no one should notice when you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So as I mentioned, there's a ton there. Uh, I recommend going back, slowing down, maybe rereading that multiple times, even this week. But we're going to ask the question, how do I relate to God? And if we're going to ask that question, I think we should zero in to two things and specifically It's going to be prayer and fasting. Now, here's the catch, and here's what I'm fully aware of. Most of us probably feel like we have a pretty good working definition of what prayer and fasting is. If someone asked us, what does it mean to pray? We'd probably have something to respond with. What does it mean to fast? We might slash probably have something to respond with, but unfortunately, what I've noticed is a lot of these definitions are more culturally defined, and then we bleed them into what Jesus might be asking for as opposed to understanding this is the concept, the reason what Jesus is asking, and just understand that sometimes people use those words uh, for other things. So if you're looking at prayer and fasting and you keep using that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. Thank you. Uh, So uh, old Princess Bride reference there. Sorry. Okay, anyway, uh, when you hear about those things and we think, oh, I do those Maybe we need to make sure that we're slowing down and seeing, is this the relational connection that God is trying to make? So I'll just start here with some things that we think about with prayer. Uh, Oftentimes we think of prayer as meditation. And simply put, they're not the same thing. Uh, Meditation, as we look at a lot of different sources, I was looking all over the place, wanted to make sure I tried to nail this down as best as possible. But it's things like I want to think deeply about something. I want to focus my mind for a period of time. Uh, I want to give my attention to only one thing, even if that's religious, as a way to become calm and relaxed. Uh, Meditation is a mental exercise. A lot of times we're trying to reach a heightened level of some type of awareness or spiritual understanding. And like, that's what meditation is. And some of us are like, that sounds a lot like prayer. And that's my point. Prayer and meditation are different. Now, sure, culturally, you want to interchange these two from time to time. No one's going to come by and slap your wrist and say, you got it all wrong. Because I hope not. But I do believe that Jesus is asking for something different. And in terms of how we've been engaged in this conversation, here's why. If God is relational, not transactional, all of those meditative things are transactional. I want to focus. I want to be calm. I want to get rid of my anxiety. I I, I want to get a higher level of spiritual awakening, awareness, whatever. If I meditate, or if we're going to use the word, if I pray, I'm doing it so that I can have these things. That's transactional, not relational. And so there's something deeper then that Jesus is asking for. Here's another thing that we kind of get trapped up in every once in a while when it comes to prayer. Prayer is also not about getting the words right. For instance, a lot of you might have recognized that I walked through the Lord's Prayer in the passage that we read together. And most of you, if the Lord's Prayer is familiar with you, you probably thought to yourself, he said it wrong Or he left that part out. Where was the thing at the end that you're supposed to say? Prayer is not about getting the words right. We're not just supposed to make sure we say the exact words, the exact things. And Jesus even addressed that in that passage. It's not about just getting repetitive. It's not saying the same things over and 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 over again, assuming that at one point in time it's finally going to click. 
praying is not this thing where it's like an ATM card that's a little bit scratched up and you put it in the slot and it says read error. And so you pull it out and you rub it on your jeans and you try it again and it says read error. So you pull it out and you like spit on it or whatever, which is gross. But then you like wipe it off again and you put it in and you're hoping that one point in time, if I just keep doing this, eventually I'll be able to get my money. Okay, that's not prayer. Or many of you have at least heard the cliche. Some of you have experienced the incessant, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Does that ever get you closer? Does that ever help, right? But for some reason, as a child, we kind of see it necessary or helpful for us to ask the same thing on repeat. As an adult, we know it doesn't work until we start praying, and then we basically do very similar things. We're like, I got to make sure I say these things, because when we pray for our food, God, please bless us food to the nourishment of our bodies. I mean, there's some type of repeat thing that's on, kind of on cue for some of us. It's not about getting the words Right. Again, that would be transactional. If I don't say it right, does God even hear me? Another thing that prayer is not, and I definitely find myself doing this one from time to time, is prayer is not limited to and does not equal to just being a supernatural wish, wish list. It is not just a supernatural wish list. Many of us, if we thought about the things that we pray for, it often becomes like, God, please do this, 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 please do this. God, help me through this. God, help me with my addictions. God, please make my spouse a better person. God, please make my attitude right. God, I really, I'm in line for that promotion. God, please make that happen. God, I didn't study very much, but if you could just make that all clear in my mind, that'd be fantastic. God, please make that sale go through. God, we really need a new house because the square footage we have, and like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong about praying those things, but if we limit prayer to just being a supernatural wish list, I think we're missing a lot of the point. And this one in particular, I actually think, can be dangerous. Because if prayer is simply, would you please do this, and can you do this, will you help me with this, there is a subtle shift happening of who directs, who guides, who leads, who. Because if God does not respond and do the things that we want him to do, the temptation is going to be, this isn't working out. God's not doing what I want. I'm backing away. God's not doing what I wish, and therefore I'm not sure if this is worth it. And any working definition of God says that's backwards. We do not dictate what God is supposed to do. A child, a small child, does not dictate what their parents are supposed to do. Are we there yet? No, I'm stopping at the grocery store first. Oh, like, it's just like, well, the parents like, that's how life works. And we look at God like, God, would you please do my wish list, not the way you want it to happen. Oh, like if we just, if it's only this, we're missing out on what Jesus is inviting us into. This shows up many, many times throughout the accounts of Jesus, but one specific thing I want to show you here happens in Luke chapter 6, where Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. And here is what is messed up about these working definitions in our brains. Some of you don't even know the difference between what I just put on the screen and everything we've been talking about. You're like, that's, that's what you've been saying. Pray to God. Yeah, I got that. No, no, no. Here's the thing, Jesus emphasized by action and word all the time, over and over, that it was to connect with God the Father, to spend time with God the Father. Jesus was not going up to the mountain just to say, God, here's all the things I want. God, here's my prayer. I got, I got, I'm Jesus, I got the words right. Jesus went to spend time to connect with his heavenly father. And so if we're looking at what does Jesus mean when he calls us into prayer, then what we're looking at is intentional communication between God and us. And once again, I'll pause because some of you might be thinking, isn't that what all those things are? My intentional communication with God. I'm asking God to do those things. I'm telling God this is my specific prayer. I'm looking at God to do these things. Isn't that intentional? And Jesus is trying to slow us down and say, but it's meant to be relational. 
that it's intentional relational communication between God and us. That it's not just saying, hey God, here are my plans. Hey God, here's my commands. Instead, it's saying, hey God, how about we spend some time together? Jesus wants us to be with him, to be with his father. And as the disciples, those men and women that were following him and learning from him and seeing how he interacted with God are watching this. And as they're seeing play out, I don't think that word that I thought I knew what it means means what I thought it means. They didn't know Inigo Montoya yet. But as they were thinking through that, well, one of his disciples just came to him and said, Lord, Teach us to pray. Because the things that we've been doing, the way that we go about this has been a little bit different than what we're seeing you do. Would you just teach us how to interact with him? And so we're going to take a look at those words as Jesus calls us to engage in a connection-oriented, relational pursuit of God. And so Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus starts off by helping us understand who God is in relation to us. Our Father, so instantaneously, Jesus is using relational language. This is not our emperor. This is not our dictator. This is not our person that gets to do all the things they want and us lowly servants have to just abide by your rules. This is our father. May your name be kept holy. You are different. You are other. Your ways are different than mine. Your ways are different than all the people I know. You see things differently. You see them more clearly. You are good. You are always good. You are always loving. You are always kind. You are always just. May your name always be holy. Your kingdom come soon. Jesus, God, the way that you do things, the way that you If you were here and people asked, how should I go about my daily business? If that could be the way that this played out, your kingdom come soon and your will be done because I don't get everything and I don't understand everything. Comparatively, I am the little kid that doesn't want to stop at the grocery store on the way home. I don't understand how all this is supposed to play out and what the priorities are. So even though I might have my wish list for you, Your will be done. You are God, not me. And I wish that that would happen here as much as it does where you are physically in heaven. And then Jesus continues the prayer and he says, give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those that sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In other words, now that we remember and recognize who God is, where he is in this relationship, now, God, help me remember who I am in this relationship. And give me what I need today. Because oftentimes, a lot of the things that I'm asking for, a lot of the things that I say that I want, that I say that I need, are often just more that I want And if I can remember who I am and and what I can be content in and what's most important, would you just remind me that what I actually need today is enough to get through today? God, can you remind me that I need my sin forgiven? I can be a mess. I messed up, I mean, an hour ago, I might have messed up while I've been on stage. I'm flawed. I make mistakes. I am not perfect. Sometimes I'm a straight up mess. God, would you forgive me? Can you remind me that I don't have it all figured out, that I'm not perfect, that I'm not the best thing since sliced bread, that I actually from time to time, believe it or not, moment by moment, I need you. And then would you help me to realize that other people are in the same boat so that I can be, I I, I read this thing, I like this, I want to be less offendable as I look around and realize that, of course, you're not perfect. Of course, you don't have it all together. Of course, you make mistakes. Of course, you don't see and know all things. 
So if I can be willing to forgive you in the same way that God has forgiven me, wouldn't that be so much better? And don't let us yield to temptation, God, because we all have our ruts and we all have our thing. When that thing, that dangly, shiny, whatever it is thing shows up in front of our face, we are so prone to just say, okay, God, would you help us not to be stuck in the ruts of our temptation, but instead lead us away from that. And God, would you remind us, would you rescue us from the evil one? We do not start at point neutral. And this is a whole other conversation, but for the sake of right now, there is an enemy seeking to destroy and devour your life. And so when you wake up in the morning, you're not starting at neutral ground, just everything's uphill from here, here we go. You are actively being pursued so that you mess up, so that you ruin your relationship, so that you stumble, so that those temptation ruts stay and just continue to bear down on you over and over and over again. God, will you remind us, would you rescue us from the evil one? And so Jesus is trying to show us this, this pursuit of our Father that we would reclaim our connection, our understanding, our, our standing with him. And then I love some of the words that he just uses in this prayer because there's a lot of our, our father, and then our trespasses and our daily bread. There's this communal thing where Jesus is showing, this is invitational. Our father, not just that I have a father and maybe one day if you're lucky and you earn your way in, you can have a father too. But he's saying from the get-go, no, no, no. I'm clearing the way for you. I'm inviting you in. This is our father. Jesus wants to see us, I think, just this great connection that it's about this focus of our relationship with God. Now, if he's inviting us into this connection... And it's not about just doing the right thing at the right place, but instead it's about accepting this invitation to pray. Then when he says things like, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private, there's a different tone to this than we might have initially heard. If you grew up, if you maybe initially read things the way that I did, what I see here are instructions. Go by yourself, shut the door, and pray in private. That's how you pray. But Jesus is inviting us into something specific. And so I wrote a couple of things down. For instance, prayer is about you and God. Not, not me and God, not Joe and God on your behalf, not Pastor Jeff and God on your behalf, not your life group leader or your spiritual mentor. This is you and God. So go to your private place and have a conversation with him. I don't know about you, but the most meaningful conversations I've ever had in my life are one-on-one. -on -one. The one-on-one -on -one time I've had with my dad, the one-on-one -on -one time that I got to spend with my cousin, the one-on-one -on -one time I got to spend and have a conversation with my wife or my daughter or my cousin or my teacher or my staff or a friend or some of you. Some of the most meaningful conversations we've ever had, they are one-on-one they -on -one. and the creator of the universe, the one that made gravity a thing, that hung the stars, that made life a thing, is looking at your heart and right into your eyes and saying, I want to spend time with you. And so when he says, go away in private, shut the door and pray in private, he's not saying this is how you pray. He's saying, I want you to come spend time with me. I want to interact with you. Jesus is inviting to this great you and God experience. How relational is that? Now, some of you are like, Joe, that's going to feel really weird. How do I talk to God? Exactly. Have you ever started any type of relationship ever? You sit next to a kid in class. 
hey. And eventually you're best friends for like 14 years. My wife and I were literally introduced, Joe, this is Mandy, Mandy, this is Joe, you're both single, and then that person walked away. It worked. (laughs) But that was awkward. Every friend, every time, classmate, co-worker, you're, you're signed up to do this class project together. It's you two that have to go handle that sales account. Every relationship we've ever started, every conversation almost always, always, always starts awkward. And so if you're like, Joe, I've never done this before, and I think praying like that, just him and me, is going to be weird. Right, because it's relational. The second thing that... Pr- being behind that shut door, so to speak. The reason why it's wonderful is that means it's private. You can open up. It might be weird to pray about that thing in front of someone else. You're like, I'm really, really close to my sibling, to my best friend, to my spouse, to my kid, to my whomever. I'm not sure I want to pray about that in front of them. Well, this is private. This is your own personal counseling session with the wonderful counselor. This is, if you are angry, then let's talk. If you're confused, if you're fearful, if you don't know what's going on, if you're thankful, and you just want to shout from the mountaintop something that happened in your life, but it would be super awkward to walk up to a friend and be like, I finally got the raise. I make $10,000 more than I used to. That'd be such a weird way to talk to your friend about life and money. But man, you could celebrate that with God. You can also share some of that with me. That'd be great. Uh, but you can talk to God about anything. He can take it. When my little girl complains to me about stopping at the grocery store on the way home, I can take it. I can take it. Whatever you have swirling in your mind, swirling in your heart, whatever your circumstances are, go spend time with dad and be like, life is awful, like is awesome, life is mediocre, and talk to him about it. It is a very own private session with him. And then, I think it's really important to remember as we're talking about prayer, that he's not after your, excuse me, not after your words, or mine at the moment. He's not after your words, he's after your heart. We don't have to say the right things. We don't have to go in, on, in the autopilot before a meal or before bed. We're being invited to have a conversation, an interaction with God himself. I don't know what to say. I don't always know what to say to my friend or my family member or my father or my kid or my wife or whomever either. You ever just go to lunch with somebody? Did you, did you plan out what you needed to say? I mean, sometimes maybe, but that's the anomaly, not the norm. It's just a conversation. God wants the time with you. I don't know how to complain about my circumstances in a way that's gonna honor God. God didn't say, make sure you have all these things figured out and then come talk. He said, come here. And by the way, that's why I want the one-on-one time. You can just lay it out. You can also say, God, you know how much this is crushing me on the inside and I do not know what to say. You can tell him that. It's about your heart, not the words. Jesus isn't asking us to unplug so that we can get calmer or less anxious or understand spirituality better. What he's actually asking us to do is to plug in and connect with God. Well, then Jesus throws a wrench into this whole thing, and right after he talks about prayer, he talks about fasting. 
And just to kind of clear this up and get it out of the way, he is not talking about intermittent fasting, okay? Now, some of you are like, I know, that's really funny, Joe. Why would you say that? And others are like, it's not? Because it's fasting. Fasting is fasting. It just says when I fast, most of the time fasting has to do with developing strength or resisting temptation. It's not eating or not doing something for a period of time. We want to cleanse ourselves of the thing or we want to just straight up go on a diet for the thing. And so I want to be careful here. None of that's bad. It's just not what Jesus is asking for. Some of us, we think of fasting as like, I want to develop some type of like self-mastery. I need to get control of this. I need to handle this. I need to make sure that this piece of my life doesn't control me. And so I'm going to fast from it so it doesn't have a grip on my life. And I want to be careful. I want to be cautious there. Because any time that we get too heavily into something like self-mastery, with the person that we come and follow that is titled as Lord, that does ask us out of love and connection to obey him. It's not about us being the master. It's about us figuring out how to follow our perfect and loving heavenly father. Some of us even do this at Lent time. We're ironically wrapped in a spiritual Christian package. Or so, well, I'm just not gonna eat chocolate for 40 days. I'm just not going to eat meat for 40 days. I'm just not going to do social media for 40 days. I'm not going to just, and I say these things because I know them. I've done them. I'm just not going to do the thing. And we can't wait for day 41. Then I have a chocolate. (laughs) Because we stepped into this version of fasting that's transactional. If I do this, then I'll have more mastery over. I won't be as tempted by. I will be able to control my, I'll be a little bit healthier. I fast for these reasons. It's not what Jesus is asking for. So I wrote this down as I was kind of pursuing all this in this passage. Unfortunately, I hope it's simple, but it's not that short of a definition of what Jesus is asking for with fasting. And it's this, it's temporarily avoiding something we depend on so that we can connect with God more deeply. It's temporarily avoiding something that we depend on, like food, so that we can connect with God more deeply. I don't know about you, but there are sometimes things like food that when life gets crazy or nuts or happy or sad or confusing or celebratory or whatever, food sounds great. And so in those moments, I'm tempted to run to food, which for me is all the moments. (laughs) I don't know about you, but if it gets silent for too long or we're disinterested for too long, this magical rectangle pops out of our pockets and we can't help it. We just start, we don't even know what we're scrolling sometimes. Your thumbs like automatically hit the thing. You flip the thing, you go to the page, you click the app and you're like, I didn't even know I opened it. Because we're, If we're being honest, we're a little bit dependent on this. And beyond the, like, I have to be able to talk to people. No, we're like dependent on it. It, Can you imagine if we had like a a phone check at church? It's like before you come in, you can just sign your phone in over here and leave it there. Some of you are like, I knew I loved online. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Like, some of you wouldn't do it. And at first blush, you're like, duh, I wouldn't do it. And like, listen to yourself. I can't put this down somewhere because I have to, be, I have, to have it close. I've been intending, confession time, I've been intending to have a jar in my house that when I go into my house, I just go in and I put this in the jar and that way it's not buzzing in my leg and I don't see the things. And even if I'm tempted to grab it for a minute, it's not there. It's like, oh, that's right. I don't want to always go to this. I don't have a jar yet because I have a little bit of a dependency on this thing. I have to have it. Fasting is temporarily avoiding something we depend on, whatever that is, so that we can connect with God more deeply. So what's that part like? When, if it's food, 
when I'm hungry, the point of a fast is I'm hungry. I'm going to go spend that time with God. If you're fasting from something like a phone, you go to reach for your phone, you're like, right, I'm going to go spend that time with God. Like, Joe, why would you do that? That sounds like another discipline. That sounds like another thing. No, 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 that's the point of fasting is to just get our attention. It's just the reminder. You've been intending to pursue this. You've been intending to connect with him. You've been intending to respond to that invitation. So I'm gonna put something into my life at least for a day, maybe a week, or maybe it's something you can't avoid for weeks at a time. And when I feel that dependency pop up, I'm gonna run to him instead. And so Jesus brings up this idea of fasting as almost like prayer plus. Connect with me, and if you need to do it at the level of like full-on style devotion, then let's fast as well. Let's step into that too. Now Jesus pushes us into all of these things, not just so that we can be healthy, not just so that we can be uh, mindful, not just so that we can have some great habits in our life, but he wants us to pursue the Father. And he wants us to see that some of these things in life are just self-empowered solutions and they're just escapist activities or they're like emotional dampeners. They make things numb in our life. And we run to those so that we can just deal. And we run to those so that we can just handle life that's coming at us. And what Jesus is saying is you are running toward a thing that does not give you life instead of the person who's inviting you in that's the source of it. So let's pray. And if you can, let's fast. Now, some of you, if you're being honest with me, like, okay, Joe, prayer looks like that. Fasting looks like that. Why would I want to do it? (laughs) Why would I spend the time running? Why would I do that instead of the food or the phone or the whatever? Why? Why? My strong assumption, if you're in earshot of this, is that you wish you were connected more deeply with God. And you want some version of a relationship with him. And some of us that feel distant from him right now, if we're willing to be honest, don't have a very vibrant prayer life right now. Or maybe our prayer life is stuck in one of these. I kind of say the same things and I, or I pray the wish list. That's how I pray only. If we want to be connected with God, we have to talk to him. And then we have things in our life, our physical health, our mental health, our finances, our relationships, the way that we view ourselves. And some of us, that list is a mess. And you're running to anything and everything that will help you in any way, in any of those categories. And your heavenly father is saying, how about you and I talk about it? Because your physical health is in my hands. I actually know your mental health better than anyone. I know the finances you have and where they're going and where they've come from and I also know the best way for you to find full-on fulfillment in the way that you would use them. I know all about your relationships and you're looking for healing and you're looking for connection. Let me show you what that could look like. We have the God of the universe at our doorstep asking us to knock and come in. And yet we'll sit back sometimes and go, I'm not even sure why I would pray in the first place. It's not formulaic. It's relational. It's not transactional. It's relational. I don't mean that your physical health, your mental health, your finances and all that are suddenly going to be, woohoo, they're amazing. 
What I am saying is the only place to find solace, the only place to find connection and meaning in any and all of that is by regularly connecting with your father. And now some of you are thinking, okay, yeah, Joe, that makes sense. I guess I probably should do this because the why, I do want that connection, but how do I know he's actually responding How do I know that he's actually listening or how do I know when he's actually answering the prayers that I'm bringing to him? I'm glad you asked. So as I navigated a bunch of different passages in the scripture, I wanted to just kind of land on four quick ways in which God does show up and he does respond. And the first one is his word. God shows up in the Bible, in the scriptures. Because, for instance, if you go and you start reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that's where the Sermon on the Mount, the thing we've been teaching for a while now, is found. And you go and you start reading even just a couple of verses at a time, and then after you get through those three chapters, you start over. And you start reading through those, or maybe you just grab five, seven verses, and you just read those on repeat. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a scenario where you're like, I feel disheveled. I feel totally out of control. I feel like everything's chaotic. My anxiety is coming back and all this kind of stuff. And while I know this might not fix it in the moment, what I need to do is pray. I remember, and God invited me into that. And the reason that that pops into your mind and you know you can trust it is because you've been reading it in his word that he has left for you to understand his heartbeat for you. God's voice always sounds one way or another like the scripture. The second thing that he does to respond, to know that you would know that he's there or what I like to call is God nudges. When the spirit of God Just there's something in you that's like, you need to go talk to that person. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to do this. It's time to sign up for the thing. I know that's not right. Or there are times I'll start going down rabbit trails in my mind about this thing or this person or the scenario that I don't like and you start almost daydreaming about things that you probably shouldn't. And then all of a sudden that song from church pops up in your head for no reason. I was thinking about pummeling that guy. What does amazing grace have to do with that? It's a God nudge. I'm trying to help you not get lost in your own thoughts and go down rabbit trails that you don't actually want to go down, I promise you. I'm I'm nudging you. And by the way, his nudges will never conflict with his word. The third thing is godly leaders and mentors. Godly leaders and mentors. I don't want to be presumptive, and I promise I'm not trying to. Many of you have told me before, you know, I feel like it's almost like you were talking right to me. Have you been reading my journal Is there a camera in my house? How did you know that I've been going through that thing? How did you know I have no idea? I'm just a boy from Barberton that even though I said I would never be in ministry, God was like, joke's on you. Yes, you will. Here you are. I have no clue what I'm doing half the time. And yet, God uses godly leaders and mentors for him to speak to you. So if you've ever had that thought beat before, it doesn't have to be with me, with anybody that's trying to help you understand Jesus, the scriptures better, and you've had this feeling and like, I feel like they were speaking right to me. The speaker wasn't, God was. God is reaching out to you. God is trying to meet you right where you're at. There's a reason that that message uncannily applied to where you were at that week. It has nothing, nothing to do with me and everything to do with that's how much God is trying to invite you into that relationship with him. And the fourth thing is creation and circumstances. You know, sometimes there's something about that sunset. There's something about that starry sky 
there's something about the rustle in the leaves or the way the water is running down the creek or crick, wherever you're from. And all of a sudden, you're like, I don't even know where this thought came from, but you're just almost in awe. You're like, man, God is incredible. And I like to call these like God hugs. You didn't necessarily get any message out of it. You didn't necessarily get this like, now I know what to do with my life. But there was something about those moments where God just like, all of this great expanse of the universe and all of the different ways that all of this plays nicely together. And I love you. I want to talk to you. Those, those moments are incredible. God does respond. God does engage. But are we willing to listen for it? Are we willing to watch for it. Now, one of the great things about what Jesus has done, when he died on the cross, all of the things that offended God, all of the things that could have put you at an awkward moment with God, all of our rebellion, all of the evil, all of the mistakes and flaws that we didn't even intend to make, Jesus handled and so instead of us feeling like we have to crawl to God and said, I think at one point in time in the Bible, you said that maybe I could talk to you. Instead of having to feel like that, Jesus, his resurrection, all of that is cleared and handled and done and just like, come on in, that's dad, let's go talk to him. Our father, Your dad, my dad, let's go chat. And sometimes those chats are fast, sometimes they're long and special, but let's go chat. Let's keep asking, let's keep seeking, and let's keep knocking to see God as the father that cannot wait to build into that relational connection with us. Now, we're going to do something unique. We're going to do some of this right now. I put together just a few simple prayer prompts. Um, I put a couple of verses with them to kind of see a little bit about how God works and maybe how he might be responding to you. And I know that we can't physically go to our own rooms and pray in private right now, but between your heart and God's heart, what I want to do is spend a few moments where we are going to pray, where we are going to engage with God. And so I'm going to put some things on the screen. They're, again, they're just simple prayer prompts. You don't have to keep your eyes closed because there's no right way to pray. You are allowed to look up and read the screen. You're allowed to look straight up as if you're just looking up to God in heaven. I, I, I don't care how you do that part, and I really, truly don't think Jesus does either. The whole point is I want to connect with him. You can also bow your head and close your eyes, put your head in your hands, do whatever you want. You don't have to pay attention to my prompts because there's no right way to do it. But I want to help you in this moment. As I lead you through these prompts, I will close us in prayer afterward, and then... We can offer our heart to God in prayer through song and worship him as well. But however you want to posture yourself to pray at home, over at Montrose, right here, let's go ahead and settle into that right now. The first one is, you're the best, Dad. God, you are so good. Would you spend just a moment, your heart and God's heart, just kind of talking to him about that? and for being worth pursuing because you really are the best. But Lord, sometimes we don't always feel that close. So Lord, help us 
Help us to draw close to you, your heart and God's heart. Would you talk to him about that? problem. We got sin in our life and and whatever that is, God, I have no idea really how to get through this. Will you meet me there? Will you lead me? distracted or maybe there's something that's keeping us that's truly pulling us away from you God would you show us if there's anything I need to avoid even if it's just temporary so that I can better focus on us my connection with you whatever it is that you've just put on our heart or that you'll bring up in the future will you continue to remind us that you're always there you are always there we can always come talk to you always be with you God thank you Jesus are truly grateful that you have invited us into this relationship. That there is truly an opportunity to be more and more connected with you. That even if we're at a place in our relationship where this still feels awkward, the invitation still stands. And based on what I'm reading in your scripture and what I see of you, I'm pretty sure the promise is there that if we continue to seek after you, you near to us and over time this will be one of the most vibrant life giving things we do with our life so God meet us in our moments God help us remind us to approach you and always help us to know Jesus that you are doing this so that we can be with you not just so we can get some stuff right Help us, guide us, lead us. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus.